When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's another week of teach tapes here on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast, and we're continuing on with something that we framed out last week in a talk from Brandon Staley. And we focused a lot on situations. Last week was on the takeaways. Today, we're venturing into the explosives. And to keep things concise today and tight, we're going to focus on explosive runs. And joining me, as he does every week, is Steve Hauser, former FBS special teams coach, and doing a great job with his Twitter account at Teach Tapes. So, Steve, great to have you back for another week of this. Keith, awesome to, to get back in it. It was cool to kind of have that framework, keeping an eye on some football this week and trying to keep it as concise as we can so it has a little bit of impact. But, you know, watching the run game, obviously my world kind of tilts back to special teams and how football is football is football. And we just really focused on week four of SEC explosive runs that were over 10 yards. So kind of seeing what we saw and how it all relates to some other things that have come up. Well, you said football is football is football. And you, you shared with me, a story and looking at how you create explosives and specifically for you, something you worked on at Iowa State with Matt Campbell and Nate Shieldhouse and looking at how you create some of those on the, the kick return. But as you said, you know, you you related all of that really to offensive football run game as well. And it's fun because, I mean, just like everybody during that quarantine period, you know, everyone kind of retreated into their hole and, and came out of like, what do we really need to, to workshop? And for us, we looked at punt and we also looked at KOR during that time. And we had lead coaches and Coach Steelhouse was is the receivers coach there. And he was kind of the lead coach with KOR. So he and I would meet throughout the weeks of COVID. And then Coach Campbell would jump in every other week and just make sure what we were doing was in accordance with the team. And, you know, when we got back in in June, we were going in with the whole staff and came out of this. And, you know, we were talking about the Mount Union ethos of, you know, players, formations, plays, and how it all fit into our people at Iowa State and the tweaks that we we're going to have off of our boundary double, right? Nothing in the world changing. We stole it from a lot of other people and then our field counter off of it. But coach was, because he had a full understanding of it. And we're talking to some of the other position coaches who weren't spending their time on that during COVID. And he related it a lot to the run game. It's coach Campbell's background is in the O-line. And if this is what we were seeing and defense is spilling, right, we're going to log it and keep it around and get somebody else on that second level support. Same idea here. So it was interesting to kind of really spend some time for myself and look at these true run game fits of week four and see what we had done from a KOR standpoint week to week. 
you mentioned the Mount Union ethos of players formation and, and play something I'm very familiar with. I, I had the uh, privilege of being able to sit through a clinic with Larry Karras sharing that exact topic, players formation plays. And at the time I was still coaching high, high school ball. Um, a couple years later then I would uh, take my first college job, but that really impacted me and how I looked at you know, putting together offense and, and really not just offense, it's it's every phase of the game too. You know, at one point I was in charge of the kick return at BW and it was the same thing, you know, starting with, okay, here's here's the jobs we have to do. Who, who are the players that fit here? And then, you know, adjusting it from there. So it's something you will hear again and again. You've heard again and again on this podcast with all the different Mount Union guys who played at Mount Union, coached at U- Mount Union. Those guys are all over the place now at all levels of football. And if you sit down with one of those guys, you sit down with all of them when it comes to, to hearing about players and formation plays. And to bring it all the way back, Keith, the reason we were talking about our KOR change, we we were a middle return team, and we had manned it two, three, and four from the front lines, inserting the fives and having those MDM players. And coaches like the running backs that we've got back there, I mean, he was drafted in the fourth round by the Vikings. He's a different type of athlete. Coaches like, hey, he is best at one cut and get up the field rather than making all these reads. Like, let's get to the sideline, match the kick direction, and go. And that was – his question to me of find the scheme that would fit that style of runner best. And again, utilizing that, that was the whole research project, so to speak of, you know, why we did that deep dive during COVID. So I think it kind of ties up that thought pretty good. Definitely. There were a couple clips I, I liked over the weekend. One was with uh, Michigan running the boundary counter uh, and, and a scoop on that play there was a kickoff from Iowa as well with the bounce. And I know those all fit into this framework that we're talking about today. Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's amazing what you see on the couch watching it and then you go a little bit deeper and, you know, yeah, there was a clip of of Michigan with a run into the boundary and it matched up perfectly with somebody trying to showcase what an off returner at Iowa was doing of just blasting the second level support player at, at Rutgers after that first level spill. So I think that's what kind of prompted to to take that Staley framework of explosives and say, from my special teams mindset, how does it boil down into the run game? And what are the actual things that are showing up? Is it missed tackles? Is it misreads by the second or third level? Like, is it making miss or is it more yards after contact? What are the fundamentals? Because that's where this teach tapes thing is, is, you know, I'm not a defensive expert or an offensive expert, but we said football is football. I'm trying to understand the concepts and, just reduce it down to its simplest form with the technique. And as we look at these different aspects of explosive plays and some of the things that create them, we'll also get into a little bit of these drills that can go along with this on either side of the ball, drills to create this, but also drills uh, to be able to work against it. So one of the first ones we're going to look at here is just creating second level misdirection and hesitation. Yeah. And you're watching all these schemes and like I said, I focused on the SEC and you could spend hours or a whole podcast talking about just old misses quarterback run game, Tennessee with their spacing and, you know, just the way they're using the tight end with these different motions. Obviously those guys are getting there enough of their shine on offense. They don't need me to talk about it, but it, it was great to watch. How is that affecting the second level linebackers, especially these teams that are playing the four eyes and, you know, Arkansas is doing that of, you know, really poking these, these linebackers to play really fast and make decisions. Well, 
I was talking to a, a D3 coordinator friend of mine that was an offensive guy, and he's like, man, it's really hard to play linebacker. You know, you're getting a lot of different looks. you got to be responsible for these gaps, and you're getting different fits. Like, it made sense to me the same thing as kickoff, right? Well, at Alabama, who are those second-level players? It was Pat Sertain. It was Henry Ruggs. It's, you know, all these no-brainer guys that can really be trusted. Will Anderson, like, the reason that first-level player is there is to force it to these guys who are going to finish the deal. So that's something I still saw a lot of. And you bring it back to a drill, you know, there's a ton of great Miami linebacker reps on here of focusing footwork, block defeat, making sure that they can play and keep that spacing. I think there was a clip from the New York Giants, Mike Trier, of talking about not letting somebody having to bench press somebody off of you. Like, you're not going to win that battle. Like, keep yourself clean, pop it off, and make sure you have that spacing to make the play. You know, when I, I went back to that conversation with my, my buddy on the offensive side, he's like, you know, the defense gets to make plays too. I had to remind myself that, hey, I'm watching the explosives cutups, the defensive movement. Obviously, they get to coach too and draw things up on the board. It's not going to be as pretty as some of these static looks that I saw with the offense having their pen in their hand. But he said the best answer for a linebacker is, man, how can I play slow too and fast through just like that running back is on the other side, right? How much vertical knockback can you get on the first level? to make these running backs check their feet. It's the same thing when you're talking about punt coverage. Like, how do I stop that punt returner from getting downhill north-south? Well, make sure I cut the wide side and collide, and now I got them going east-west, and it lets my buddies get to the party and fit their pursuit. So, like you said, like, it's spy versus spy. Yeah, there's things the offense can draw, but also the misdirection that's not static. No one's just going to sit there and take it. But how do you drill these guys with their footwork, with their aiming points, with their point of contact, to build this out the best way. And looking at explosive runs, a big part of it is having a running back who has confidence in doing his job. And that really means having the vision, understanding the path. Those things are so important, especially when you look at you know one of the most popular runs today. You're seeing it across all levels now. It used to be one that you would mostly see at the professional level. Um, but it's it's definitely across all football right now. I even saw a fifth and sixth grade team running it a couple weekends ago. But the outside zone, right? That that vision and trust on that outside zone to trust that path that you have to get it. You know, if you really want this play to work, you have to to press those aim points and be patient. If you cut that thing too quick. It's not there. I mean, it's it's really the difference between that thing hitting and going long to being stopped at the line of scrimmage for a few yards where if you just let the blocking develop, you trust that path, you trust your vision, stick the foot in the ground and get vertical, that's going to be a big play. And that applies to other schemes as well, but I think you can highlight it best when looking at particularly the wide zone or outside zone play. Like anything else, right, it- it shows up the most when there's space and there's great people doing it. Um, so you're seeing, obviously, McDaniel have success in, in Miami and watching some of these SEC guys. But, you know, holding that path, stepping on the heels of that ghost tight end, so to speak. And, you know, I saw a clip of the the Chargers talking about it, of Austin Eckler, like just confirming what the running back coach. He's like, so I'm I'm bouncing it till I can't, right? And then I'm cutting it back. And to bring it back to the offensive guy that I was talking to, he's like, how do we keep those linebackers in a bind longer? Well, it's holding your path and then it's one cut and go. And even, you know, talk about make you miss or, and everyone thinks of 
up, down, left, right, you know, hit the juke button, B button on Xbox. Like, man, it's set in that cut the same way that you would on KOR of stress and puncture, right? How do I play fast and make sure this guy has slight hesitation and pause so that his fundamentals and technique are thrown off? The physicality, at least in those reps of the SEC that I watched this week, again, it's a small sample size, but the true gauntlet runs, man, where you're powering through high knees to really get that next level explosive, that's not where it's coming from, right? You get a guy in space, you have your max spacing with your receivers, your RPOs, your spit outs, whatever it is, you're putting those overhangs in a bind. The second level guys, man, they got to make sure they hold true because if you get out, now we are talking that 10 to 12 yard run and we can get into the receiver world. To really hold true to the drill aspect of the running backs, there's some great reps on the teach tape. So it'd be hashtag teach RB in the, the Packers, right? Whether it's foot quickness, going through some disc cones the same way they would on a ladder, but really those typewriter feet going back and forth, pressing the gap and getting off of an agile bag and having on an angle to know I got to make that cut hard back vertical and then having a second level key, whether it's a heavy bag or a coach with the hand shield. But the, the running back coach for the Eagles, and we brought him up before, Jamal Singleton, there's a, a clip from the senior bowl when that staff, he might have been with the Bengals or with another staff that he's at, but he was talking with the running back group of having, you know, low beams, right, for that initial first level cut of holding my path, and then high beams. How do I make that second level player miss and make sure I can stay fast? On the KOR side, just to kind of keep this offense to special teams flow, we always told Kanae, our kick returner, who is with the, the Vikings now, win towards the sideline. Like, never let that kicker cross your face and force you to cut back. I didn't watch the whole game, but last night, this guy's still in my nightmares. Kevante Turpin was at TCU, and now he's the Cowboys punt return, kick return specialist. They're playing the Bills, and he had a 25-yard punt return, and the punter is the, the Scottish Hammer, the guy from the Browns. He literally just threw himself across the bow and made Turpin cut back. And they said literally 99 times out of 100, that ain't going to do it. But he forced the guy back, and a position player made the tackle. So how do you win to the sidelines? And now that sideline run, these NFL teams are training the hell out of it. You know, the tight end you thing, George Kittle's like, that's where I take a lot of pride in not going out of bounds easy, right? How do I put my foot in the ground, have that ball, body ball boundary, use a stiff arm, use my size versus these smaller DBs, and now I'm falling forward for four, five yards, right? Don't take the easy way out. And now you're really using your yards after contact, open field, deeper into the route or the play. I think there's a, a ton of important coaching points there. I know you talked about trusting your path and just thinking of this one clinic I saw, and this was during COVID. It was, you know, I arranged and held and executed this virtual summit. I had like 170 coaches on. One of those guys was from here in Ohio, a high school coach named Jeff Fox, and he's at Nordonia High School, and gave a presentation on the outside zone and titled it, though, The Path of Trust. And his whole point in this, and he would show again and again and again that that running back is just disciplined and staying on that path, knowing that things will get there. And, and it made me also think of a, a coaching point. I think this is something I saw Bob Wiley talking with Brian Baldinger and on an outside zone play in, in the backside, right? That backside cutoff, just knowing where that back is going to cut but having to trying to reach this guy, the guy's not getting reached. This coaching point became running past the read spot. And so you would see on film 
what looks like, oh, this guy's going to be there to make the tackle, but now his momentum's being used against him. He's passed him, and that guy's cutting right off him. And now, again, <laughs> yep. you have a big play. So all kinds of coaching points that go into this. Again, it's it's all about the details, right? And that's what I love about Teach Tapes is you really do a great job in pointing out these fine details. And, you know, then you talk about big plays. Well, it's going to get to wide receiver blocking in the secondary. And, you know, it's something I think it's it's two things. It doesn't have to be kill shots. In fact, today you have to watch because if you're coming at a certain angle and you do take that shot, you're going to get a flag. Um, but I think more than anything, and, you know, it, to me it relates a little bit to, to the kick return and things we would do with our front line. You know, it was it was all about the timing of the block. If those things hit at the right time, you're not there too early. You're not there too late. By the time that guy has to spend time with you to, to, uh, you know, try to get rid of the block and get off to make a tackle, it's going to be too late. So I, I think all of that works together. I would love to hear some of the things that you've pointed out on teach tapes with wide receiver blocking. And I'm smiling on the other side of the phone here, Keith, because it, before it ever gets to the receiver, you think of all the different sets for the running back alignment. Are we coming from the pistol? Are we coming back from an empty set and getting in the backfield for our alignment and our footwork and the ball security of our handoff, right? Those are different reps that, like the Titans, when they do running back handoffs, they're giving the quarterback a boot and flipping them the ball to make sure our shots, our deep play actions, our naked boots, we're getting extra reps off of that. So it's not a dead drill for somebody later on. But just making sure you have those tracks and paths, whether it's painted, you got a great spot on the field, right? You got the little mat you're laying out or there's barrels. You got your way of holding those people accountable, even when you're going against the static front, like on air. But for the receiver, it's about blocking them for as little time as possible. I mean, I remember Coach Gundy walking into an offensive staff room and obviously joking around, but saying, I want to run as many plays where we don't have to block anybody as possible. Screens, misdirections, RPOs, like, let's make sure we take the stress off of these guys. So when I'm watching their receivers, and that's where it turns from that explosive line of what the cutoff I watched was 10 yards, and now we're talking 2025 is when a receiver is able to push crack and make sure that corner's in the fit, right? Georgia, Todd Munkin did an incredible job of working some different things where, hey, they short motion that inside receiver from outside in, and they worked in and cracked the middle linebacker. But like you said, Keith, it's not a kill shot anymore where it's ESPN. It's literally the coaching point in the rules education is take care of the guy, right? Seal him, run your feet, drive him into kingdom come, but don't make that a, a, a play that looks bad on television, right? So now what Georgia did is their tight end and play side tackle are working a combination up to the corner. Like you've got Brock Bowers who somebody made a comment of the guy should be in the Heisman consideration. Like, side note, the tight end took a jet sweep for about 70 yards on the first play of that Georgia game on Saturday. Like, when's the last time you heard? And then he had two corners for touchdowns. I mean, the dude's a freak. But when you think about just even the running back um, having an option to get a linebacker, a O lineman on the second level versus a corner, like, never mind the Georgia running back. Like, you talk about matchups and players' formations plays. I mean, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's one of those things – the the game definitely has changed in the rules and and I admit there's a time when I thought man you're making the game soft what are you doing you know 
shoot, the NFL used to celebrate these every year. They'd have, you know, the tapes of the biggest hits of the year. That's not happening anymore on NFL films. And and they're still going to happen. And they get us excited. But, you know, it's also, those guys are out there doing a job. They don't have to be uh, sacrificing their bodies because they're, you know, they're taking a kill shot when they're not looking, right? So I, I agree with all the rules, but I also see the benefit into doing things from a performance uh, perspective and doing it that way uh, to block, as you said, for as little time as possible and relating it back to, as I said, on on the kickoff, our frontline guys were receivers and not necessarily always big receivers, but guys who could run, who could get to a a, a junction point with uh, the defender and make that block for a split second, right? And we would tell them, like, we don't want a big block. I don't want guys on the ground <laughs> yeah. because we want the running lane. Just get on them. You're either going to run them past or make them fight back over the top. And either way you win. And you know, some of that is teaching it to these guys because when they, they come to you at the college level, you know, they've been taught all kinds of different things and it is different, different mentality for some of them and what they've been taught. But yeah, it's to me, it's about the timing. You, you get a well-timed block uh, that that guy takes the right path to him, has the right angle, forces him to go one way or the other and be wrong, whatever he does, that that's a big win. Those blocks, Keith, are attitude and effort. Like if you want to measure your program, you want to talk about how long that play is. Somebody that I worked with, they always measured you know defensive effort by the backside corner in their pursuit to the ball carrier, right? How hard is that guy running? Well, if you want to measure effort on KOR, look at that widest guy, that left tackle, versus the the field three, who's usually that middle fit cap player, that second level fitter, keeping it on his inside shoulder, on a big return to the boundary, is that guy able to strain and keep a path, knowing that that guy's going to be a second level player and work through his upfield shoulder, run around his inside hand, throw a high screen, do whatever he can to make sure that kick returner has the best play possible. And, you know, guys we're talking about for Cordero Patterson, like they want to block for that guy. Hey, how do I make sure I'm taking care of that returner? Because we know it can be a huge play for our football team. And you talk about rhythm and timing with the alignment of the running back and stressing the the landmarks to set up those third level opportunities for the receiver or a backside frontline player. It's making sure that the spacing of the wedge, the timing of the returner, he's running into the catch. The wedge is starting 12 by three outside of where the ball is caught, right? Never wider than the logo whatever your coaching points are to secure your angles for that kick out or that scoop around the boundary. Like it it really is not to get like over the top, but it really is beautiful to watch all 11 guys and these run fits matter, kick return or a run game. Yeah. There's something important in there too. I don't want to gloss over. You were talking about the quarterback and essentially a two ball drill. And I remember learning is the first time uh, clinicking with uh, Ian Shoemaker, who's the offensive coordinator now at Hawaii. Well, he was a predecessor at BW and, and prior, prior to, uh, to coming on board to that coaching staff was clinicking with them. And, you know, he show, showed their, their zone read. Uh, he loved zone read at the time. And I think he still does a lot of it now, but showed their two ball drill. So the, you know, the quarterback, this is all like run timing stuff. The quarterback's handing the ball off as he's coming out of that handoff, attacking the end of the line, he gets an, another ball and then it turns into an option uh, with somebody else. And, you know, we took that theme and we became more of a, uh, we did some regame and we would still do that drill, but we certainly became more of a, a pistol downhill run team with a, 
the quarterback booting away. And we would do it the same way, as you mentioned there, is, you know, after he handed that ball off, he would get, you know, ball tossed to him as he's on his boot path. And then we called it like big skill timing. We'd bring the tight end over to run his, you know, his overdrag route and throw the ball to him. And, you know, the other tight end or fullback, you get in the flat, you know, we, we would do the same thing. Someone throwing a ball to him as well. So uh, there's all kinds of ways you can get more out of your drills and look to how, how can we, you know, instead of just this one aspect of it, how can we get more out of it? And I think the, the two ball drills and being creative with that allow you to do more in practice. Well, and just to add on to your point there, Keith, I think it's a great point of how do you highlight that in a team setting to make sure these guys know that everything matters. Right. And not that everything matters and like you got to be paranoid and you got to be in the office 15 hours a day, but effort and attitude matters. Right. So I was watching the um, just again on the TV, letting it kind of play the Patriots Ravens game. And they talked about Belichick this week playing wide key moments in week two teams won, Right. Because people are like, hey, how are the Dolphins winning games? The Eagles are, are dominating like. Well, it doesn't matter what scheme because everyone's giving the Patriots a hard time of their play callers and their offense. He's like, how are people executing with effort and holding true to fundamentals? That's why teams won in week two. So for the Patriots who are kind of figuring things out, Mac Jones is hurt. And, you know, that's my hometown team. So if I watch an NFL game, that's what I hear. But it's interesting of what Belichick went to of like, why are these people winning? doesn't matter what they're running. It's how they're doing it and the way they have intent to do it. So I think that kind of puts a capstone on what we're talking about here for sure. Well, Steve, that definitely does put a good capstone on this week's episode. And our clips of the week, I mentioned them at the beginning, are the run, uh, the counter with with Michigan, and then the KOR with Iowa. So we will make sure we put those in the show notes. Steve, uh, great job putting this together today. And definitely look forward to continuing along with uh, this framework we've set up here as the season progresses. Awesome. Will do. Thanks, Keith.